Welcome to the Green Minds Think Alike podcast. Uh, this is the first podcast of 2019. I thought I would take a little bit different approach, um, having previously primarily just interviewed sustainability directors, but today I thought I would talk a little bit about my um, my recent experience having uh, sat through my second uh, consensus committee for the ICC 700 National Green Building Standard. I thought this might be of interest to those um, that might be interested in trying to adopt the National Green Building Standard or use it in some way. Um, this was my second go-around with that uh, code creation, and I thought I would let everybody know sort of how the sausage was made. Um, the National Green Building Standard was the first standard that I got involved with. It really um, sort of introduced me into the code creation process. Uh, roughly five years ago. Um, basically, it was as simple as registering online through Home Innovations Lab, which is an independent lab that was hired by uh, the National Home Builders uh, to create a green code uh, that was uh, then later um, adopted into the ICC and becoming ICC 700. I first started as a task group member um, and then eventually became a consensus committee member. Um, the task groups basically make recommendations based upon comments that are submitted for proposed changes to that code. And then those proposed uh, recommendations then go to the consensus committee, which is made up of roughly 30 individuals from industry, trade organizations, and local governments, um, along with the uh, EPA and Department of Energy, um, and make uh, who ultimately vote on those proposed changes for the updated code. Um, it it it's about a two year process from when comments are initially uh, submitted to be changed. Um, it follows an ANSI standard, uh, and a, as I mentioned before, the Home Innovations. Uh, staff led by Vladimir Koshkin, uh, Michelle Thatcher, Kevin Kaufman, uh, who do an excellent job in facilitating to make sure that the consensus committee and the staff or and the task groups uh, follow along with the uh, requirements of an ANSI um, code. So um, the task groups I happen to uh, in this go around be on the energy task group, which of course is one of those that's most heavily debated um, and then ultimately was also a member of the consensus committee uh, that voted as well. So the just earlier this month, we had three days in Washington, D.C., where we, we voted on um, the proposed changes uh, to the what would be the 2020 version of ICC 700 um, National Green Building Standard. So that standard, for those of you that aren't familiar, is very similar to LEED, um, but in some ways it, it differentiates itself in the fact that it, it's a little bit more of a streamlined process. Many of the credits are very much the same, but um, you know, really how they try to set this apart um, is that it's a really uh, more streamlined process to where you can basically get your certification within a week once submitting the documents through the Home Innovations Lab team uh, led by Michelle. So um, 
it has had uh, quite a bit of adoption in the multifamily. Um, while it does also have single family, of course, they haven't seen as much adoption of that code recently. And that played a big role in this year's discussion in the consensus committee about um, there's a chapter 12 that's supposed to be sort of a um, not a light version necessarily of the standard, but one that would be a little bit uh, less arduous to grasp and understand for the the home builder or the owner that would like to receive a certification. So ultimately, it was decided to keep that chapter 12 in the standard um, to allow for potential further adoption, primarily for the the home builder, the single family residents. Um, another large change um, in this version of the code was bringing in the mixed-use building. Now, the building must still be 50% or greater of residential, but it then can have a commercial component. This is important because prior to this time, um, if there was a mixed-use building, and we tend to see quite a bit of um, multifamily that does have a mixed-use component, they were basically forced to use uh, another rating system. Um, this now allows those types of projects to use the National Green Building Standard. Um, so I think that will be an improvement to hopefully lead to further adoption um, in this 2020 version. A couple of other things that tend to be issues uh, that we see um, often debated, um, you know, through industry and throughout codes. Um, you know, it's interesting, like I mentioned, this was sort of my first introduction into the code process, you know, five years ago. And many of the same folks you will see um, around the country, whether it's uh, dealing with the international codes, um, ASHRAE, um, the National Green Building Standard, um, you know, all these trade organizations have individuals that are, you know, their profession is to follow the codes and push uh, their agendas in these proposals as well as in the way that they vote. So uh, after a while, you, you soon uh, begin to know who those individuals are, you know, what are their, what are their goals, and also what are the items that tend to be uh, the most discussed and debated uh, when it comes to codes. So um, one that, you know, really tends to stand out is the idea of site versus source uh, when it comes to renewable or actually the energy production. Um, this debate, there's a variety of different ways to look at site versus source. Um, the folks that are dealing with renewables obviously uh, wish to push the site option. Um, you know, obviously if you have uh, renewables that primarily solar that you would be seeing you know mounted on the structure um, they definitely feel that there needs to be uh, additional benefit for having that uh, renewable on site um, but it also tends to uh, play or game if you will um, the, the way that the energy calculations uh, can be run and so there's a lot of discussion on how these energy models are run, 
and then how can we um, basically keep a baseline that maintains uh, so that you're comparing apples to apples uh, when you're looking at different buildings. This is something that um, seems to be brought up every time. You know, in this particular case, we voted as a consensus committee uh, towards allowing for uh, site to be included. And then the next day after uh, some more um, dialogue, the committee switched course and ultimately changed the votes that they had done the previous day. So um, it's not unusual to, to see that type of thing happen. Um, ultimately, the the consensus committee votes by a raise of hands. Um, there is a paper ballot that eventually gets put uh, passed around and turned in as the official ballot on these things. But it's interesting to, to hear the discussion. So, you know, comments are submitted through um, the Home Innovations Lab and then uh, submitted to those task groups. The task groups then um, have the opportunity to speak with the commenter um, before making their recommendation on it. Um, and they, you know, they, they vote as a task group. And then those uh, are then taken to the consensus committee. So, you know, even f the recommendations of the task groups are not always um, approved. You know, the presenters of those comments have the opportunity to speak um, at the, at the um, podium during the time that the, um, the issues are being debated. And ultimately, um, you know, many items that could go through on a consent agenda uh, without any comment due, but a lot of them get pulled off um, to be spoken about individually and then, and then voted on. So it was, it's really sort of a, an, an interesting process to see how, you know, these discussions um, change and, and modify over time. Uh, ultimately, sort of getting back into the green building standard itself, much like LEED, it, it's a rating system. Um, there's levels of certification. Um, and, and so it, it, it sort of follows that, although there are um, some places where this is actually adopted as code, I believe in areas in North Carolina, they actually use this as an actual code. So it is written in code language, which is a little bit different than LEED, because um, LEED is not necessarily written in code language. So you have folks that are, you know, are very good at how uh, things are worded when it comes to code versus uh, things that are, are not uh, necessarily uh, code language. So just learning that uh, way of grammar and, and, and language is uh, also uh, an experience just in order to provide clarity for those that are using uh, the standard. So, I mean, I hope that gives you somewhat of a, a nutshell idea in regards to that process of how... Um, changes are submitted, go through task group, on and voted to the consensus committee, um, and then that standard is then published by ICC, um, and, and then local governments at that point can either decide to adopt it as a code or as uh, provide incentives if builders uh, potentially use that system. Builders, of course, can do it on their own. You know, there's obviously a certification and, and um, 
not necessarily a plaque, but a, um, a certificate uh, that they use to market uh, their products as, as being compliant with the, the National Green Building Standard um, out there in the marketplace, um, which does retain some value as we see. So um, hopefully that gives you some idea. I will probably do a similar type of summary slash wrap up um, as it gets closer to um, this next international code cycle. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks speaking with folks um, both in our Southeast Florida and U.S. um, Sustainability Directors Network about the importance of what's happening this year in the international code cycle. Uh, This is cycle B, so every three years, uh, the International Energy Code and the International Green Code are up for comment and uh, proposed changes. Um, And local government and including sustainability directors um, can get their organizations involved in voting on these proposed changes. We've heard that uh, there are upwards of 600 proposed changes to the Energy and Green Code uh, that will be heard um, at the meetings in Albuquerque at the end of April, um, beginning of May. Um, I, you know, We know that there are items getting towards a zero code in those proposed changes. We won't see all of those until a little bit later in the year um, to be able to see what's all in there. But it's important. Um, so those of you that are listening that are governmental members, um, you know, it's important that your organizations get registered by, I believe the date is March 29th. Once you're a member, then later on in the fall, um, you know, we look as uh, both the Southeast as well as USDN uh, to put out some recommended ways of voting on these proposed changes to help us reach our our energy and sustainability goals. So I'll, I'll be doing a a little bit from that once I return from Albuquerque um, around that time. And it's also near our Southeast um, annual meeting. So hopefully I'll have some additional uh, conversations with uh, fellow sustainability directors there in the Southeast. So thanks for listening and I hope you found this beneficial.